For as much as it is the indispensable duty of all men to adore the superintending providence of Almighty God, to acknowledge with gratitude their obligation to Him for benefits received, and to implore such farther blessings as they stand in need of, and in having pleased Him in His abundant mercy, not only to continue to us the innumerable bounties of His common providence, but also to smile upon us in the prosecution of a just and necessary war for the defense and establishment of our inalienable rights and liberties, particularly in that He hath been pleased in so great a measure to prosper the means used for the support of our troops and to crown our arms with most signal success. Welcome, everyone. This is A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Woodley Grills here today with David Apple to talk about Thanksgiving. David, how's it going? It's going well, Willie. Thanks for having me on again. Always a pleasure. How are things in Paducah? Paducah is good. We're obviously getting ready for the Thanksgiving crowds. I think a lot of people come home, at least in my congregation. Paducah is kind of a central central place people come back to anyways you know how that goes in different congregations are either the home spot or everybody leaves but here at St. Paul's in Paducah we we usually have a good crew who come back in for Thanksgiving. Well that's good that's good to hear how is the weather down there? Weather's all right it's gray it's very gray today it's warm it's kind it's about 60 degrees but gray rainy the leaves are all off the trees it's it's pretty I don't know. You know, when it's four o'clock and it's already dark, it, it makes driving home <laughs> dismal. You know? Right, right. Yeah, it's it's the same here. This is probably the most geographically close episode of Word Fitly Spoken we've yeah, ever we've ever recorded. So yeah, same. T- we're both in the same time zone, and probably just about the as far west and east. Yeah, we're we're basically right on top of each other. That's true. So hey, there you go. It's good when brothers dwell in unity and yeah, proximity. Right. right. So yeah, good stuff. And then eventually, once the weather breaks, I guess we'll finally get around to that Lutheran tent revival in Paducah soon enough. Yeah, it's. I think it's in the works. I've got some contacts with a local tent company here. We've got space on our church property. It's. I'm looking forward to it. You know, I really think if we want to save money on this, we could just pull like one of those pest tents that they that they, when they're fumigating a house for termites, you probably get that a little cheaper. But oh, we don't want to we we don't want to spare any expense on on the revival, <laughs> Willie. You can't 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 make the money without spending the money. That's right. Know? That's right. So anyway, on a serious note, we are here to talk about the biblical concept of Thanksgiving, but also our national context of Thanksgiving. So why are we even discussing this right now, David? because it's that time of year when most people are happy to give thanks and a, a few people get angry about having a Thanksgiving <laughs> service. Right. No day in the church year that isn't LWML Sunday or some other patriotic holidays that shall not be named seem to be more polarizing to certain Lutherans. Right. You know, and, and it is interesting. We have in recent times adopted things like LWML Sunday or Pro-Life Sunday and Mission Sunday, I guess, might be a little bit older. But for American churches, Thanksgiving observances are not really novel. They've been around since, well, really before we were a nation, a properly founded nation anyway. 
So it is part of our shared culture and heritage as those who have assimilated and become Americans, which is the bulk of our audience, to be sure, and the bulk of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. We are a few generations away from them claiming any true German nature, right? We don't have the massive immigration from Germany, and I would dare say now most of our members are American. Would that be a fair would that be a fair analysis? I think so. I mean I'm among the word fitly crew, I think I'm the most Germanic, or so it seems that that lot has fallen to me. I mean, I'm part of the Franconian immigration here, so I don't, I don't know, I don't know how widespread the you know clinging to the German heritage still is, or seeing ourselves as kind of not quite really Americans. I mean, I think that's it's it's become sort of a theological position now that we're not part of sure. the, the American mainline churches, and so maybe that's part of what's contributing to what do you want to call it? The resistance to Thanksgiving, a Thanksgiving day. Right. Yeah. And folks at home, that's kind of what we're talking about here in using this ethnic lens that we're, that we're doing it through. There's usually an argument that says Thanksgiving ought not be celebrated in the church because it's purely a secular holiday. Right. And one that is peculiar, peculiarly American. And to that, I say, okay, so what? Um, but uh, the, to the American part, and, and I speak for myself and for Adam Kuntz, who is no stranger to our audience, uh, but he and I, our ancestries both predate the founding of the United States. So maybe we're genetically predisposed to enjoy Thanksgiving more. I don't know. <laughs> it's in your blood. To, yeah, yeah it, sure. it's like we're also genetically predisposed to both enjoy whiskey and to teetotalism by virtue of the same bloodline. But there you go as far as Americans are concerned. But that is kind of why we chose to talk about this and to open this way, because there is a little bit of pushback against the Thanksgiving services. And I don't know that it's a bad thing to, to set aside as a church a day of thanks, and I don't think it's necessarily bad for a nation to do that, because ultimately it's meant to be a day of thanks to who? To God, yeah. To God, yeah. yeah. To, to Almighty God, and so... Really, every day should be uh, set aside for that, yet here we are. Yeah, that very thing is sometimes raised as the reason. It's kind of like, well, okay, so the president or the Congress of the United States says we should give thanks. Well, as the church, we already know that, right? So we don't need to right. take our cues from uh, right. from the state. The state also says don't kill each other, and yet so does God's <laughs> word. Yeah. And so... Yeah, it's, it's a curious thing, and part of it is the religious notes and undertones of it. Some people don't like that because of its pilgrim heritage, its separatist heritage. Some people don't like—they just—I don't get it. No, I actually get it. I get their criticisms, but they say it comes out of a Christian tradition that isn't ours. It comes out of a cultural tradition that they think isn't theirs, and so they would then say, let's reject it. Well, let's— Let's dial it back a little bit and, and, and just say this, that a biblical principle, which we will prove later in the episode here, is that we should give thanks to God. Now, we should give thanks to God every day and thank the Lord. Most Christians do to greater or lesser degrees. But that doesn't mean there's anything wrong with setting aside a day of thankfulness. I mean, think of it this way. What do we celebrate every Sunday? Why do we meet on Sundays as a church? 
you have the resurrection of our Lord and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Right. So every every Lord's Day, every Lord's Day is a celebration of the resurrection, and yet we still have Easter Sunday marked on the church calendar. Sure. As a day of special remembrance for the resurrection. So that in and of itself should not trouble us. And it is interesting that a lot of the people who would push back against Thanksgiving are about retaining and adding more and more feast days into the church. Some of them historical, some of them not historical. You can think of historic feasts like, you know, Peter and Paul or or St. James or something like that. But in modern times, we've added holy days, days of commemoration for Walter, days of commemoration for Leah, which certainly postdate the day of Thanksgiving. So we can't make it an argument about calendars, and we certainly can't make it simply an argument about if it's meat, right, and salutary to do, because it is certainly meat, right, and salutary to offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving to the Lord. Those examples you just gave are men who are specifically pastors, right, who are dedicating their lives to the kingdom of God, the the spiritual kingdom. And I, I think that part of the sort of thing that, that Lutherans maybe push back against on Thanksgiving is, well, this is just in the order of creation or something, right, where it's a harvest festival. It's a Thanksgiving for, for God's providence. And that seems mm-hmm. somehow inferior to the Thanksgiving for, say, the resurrection or for the Lord's Supper. You know, and, and I, I just don't share that same. I, I mean, I think that if we had to rank these things, certainly you want to give thanks for salvation on a higher order than for creation. But that doesn't mean that giving thanks for the produce of the land is a bad thing. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We want to thank God for all things uh, quite clearly, quite easily, quite simply. And so so we do. It's I don't know. I think it's become also fashionable to critique that holiday. And it's a great irony that that happens this time of the year where they will come after the pilgrims. And what they really mean is the Puritans. They, They conflate the two, which is not necessary. And then they want to say, well, see. The Pilgrims outlawed Christmas, or excuse me, the Puritans outlawed Christmas in England, so we should celebrate Christmas morning north and and outlaw Thanksgiving. Like it's kind of like a tit for tat thing that I don't really understand. And really, though, I think a lot of it is frustration with a holiday that is, for all intents and purposes, religious in character, whether we want to admit that or not. Its, its origins are in Plymouth uh, Plantation and in the colony in Virginia. And all throughout, even in, into the Continental Congress and, and up to, to Washington and later, we have overtly religious overtones regarding the day of Thanksgiving. So it is a little bit different, and that makes pastors especially nervous, that mixing of, of sacred and secular, and I certainly understand that. Nevertheless, if we're going to take that track, let's not get rid of a National Day of Thanksgiving. Let's instead try to make the holy days that we do have, that we universally agree upon in the church, and keep them holy. They, people would say, well, Thanksgiving has become nothing more than a day to commit gluttony and watch football and prepare for conspicuous consumption on Black Friday. <laughs> now, would you agree there is some truth to that critique? Yeah, I think absolutely. Yeah. I was looking back in the, uh, if you look back through the, the presidential 
proclamations, you you find this great little controversy when FDR moved. It, it had always been that Thanksgiving was to be observed on the last Thursday of of November, and he moved it to the fourth Thursday because he wanted to ensure that the that there would be a longer time between Thanksgiving and Christmas, so that the you know that businesses would have more time to have you know customers coming in and purchasing things. Right, and there was pushback against that. What I'm saying is that's not in yeah. that's not a modern that's not a, right, a uniquely right. modern thing. Yeah, right. And and so my opinion would be to recover the Christian understanding of Thanksgiving, the Christian principle, and to enjoy a day dedicated to it, and also to enjoy the what we would call the first article gifts. Enjoy the food, enjoy family, and the comforts of a day off if you can get it for Thanksgiving. Yeah, that don't you think that that's that's something that we've talked about quite often here, right? The if you if you simply retreat, say, well, you know, Thanksgiving maybe it used to have some value, but now it's it is just a, you know, gluttonous feast day and <laughs> and a consumer holiday. Well, you could just retreat from it, but what will happen is that people will still do that. You're basically just consigning your people to that fate. Right. right. And our goal is to reclaim everything, right? To reclaim it for for holy things. Yeah, absolutely. And it starts not with Thanksgiving or with any other feast day in the church calendar. Not I mean Thanksgiving's not a feast day in the church calendar. Let me put it this way. It starts not with Thanksgiving or a feast day in the church calendar, but it starts with sanctifying first and foremost the Lord's Day, and then of course every other day. We cannot bemoan what has happened to Thanksgiving or Christmas, or now even Easter, when we take a regular Sunday and make it into one hour for God, eight hours for football, Netflix, shopping, or whatever. And people will say, well, well, that's being a bit legalistic. I'm not saying you can't watch it. I'm saying it's not what goes into a man that defiles him, but what comes out. And, And so we... I mean, just watch this. Watch the level of passion that even men of the cloth and even devoted Christians have when it comes to their insistence upon church attendance, holy days, and the things of God versus their loyalty and attention given to a sport or a multimedia franchise, no matter what it would be. Sure. And again, I'm not coming down on the people who enjoy these things. That is perfectly acceptable. And as a matter of fact, on Thanksgiving, perhaps it would be a good day to thank God for these temporal things that you enjoy. But if you're going to sanctify the time, and if the time is short, how do we make the best use of it? By diligently attending God's word, by receiving God's gifts, and by giving him thanks, and actually setting aside time for him. Um, it's, It's just a strange phenomenon. It seems like we want to have our cake and eat it too sometimes when it comes to some of this. I think in a nutshell, David, what I'm trying to say is let's just all take a few steps back, take a deep breath, and just calm down <laughs> a little bit and let people enjoy the holidays. Yeah, I, I was talking with a young man at lunch today, and I was saying, you know, usually it's the church that gives the world a holiday, you know, Christmas, Easter, whatever, and then the the world kind of hollows it out, and it becomes just pure consumerism. Here we have this this kind of neat opportunity where the the world has basically said, "Hey, there should be a day of Thanksgiving," and the church has the opportunity to say, "Yeah, let's we'll show you exactly what that looks like." And I just i I don't want to give that up because it's 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 like 
you know, it's a softball. It's, it's tossed right to us. Right. A lot of our churches, mine and yours included, are going to have a midweek service for Thanksgiving, which is good, either Thanksgiving Day or, or the day before Thanksgiving. And I think it's probably maybe more common nowadays. And I think that's a great thing. Anything, honestly, that gives us one more service, especially in the middle of the week, I'm fine with. As long as it's not meant to cancel out the Sunday morning worship. Yeah, of course. Correct. Right. So, I mean, make it into a good thing for you devoted Lutherans out there. And, and, I, and I appreciate your zeal and I love it. And especially when you focus it when you focus it on things that I don't like, too. I really like that. But it's another day to come together and receive the Lord's gifts in his church, too, in, in most of our congregations now. So enjoy that, at least. If you don't like turkey, just bake a ham and enjoy uh, another service during the week right yeah, right i mean what what could be what could be too bad again not trying to make light of people's scruples when it comes to this but nevertheless it's it's hard for me to really come down strongly against a day like thanksgiving now we could get into the history a little bit but that's not entirely the point of this episode because two thirds of it are going to be about the biblical understanding we're going to look at the catechism and things like that. But, you know, if you want uh, some historical resources, come on over to WordFitly Posting or even the regular Facebook page or even at Twitter, and we'd be happy to discuss it. You can get some reliable history because, as David and I both know, a lot of the uh, American religious history out there is not the most reliable sometimes, uh, depending upon what kind of uh, blogs and books we're reading. So, yeah. you know, always be, always be careful about the things circulating there. So uh, let's talk then a little bit in the last couple minutes about a Thanksgiving service then and what it's going to look like at your church. Uh, you want to know what we're doing? Uh, yes, please. Yeah, sure. We have we have a regular divine service setting, I think setting one for those <laughs> keeping track. In the past, I've always used the actual, the propers for the day of Thanksgiving, not, not Thanksgiving Day, but in our lectionaries, there's always propers for a day of Thanksgiving, whatever day that might be. And that usually the gospel is the uh, account of the the 10 lepers and nine of them leave without returning thanks to Jesus, but then the one comes back. This year, I actually decided to use the Harvest Festival propers, which ends up being the, the gospel reading is Jesus, the parable about the, the rich man who fills his barns with good things and then God says to him, fool, your soul is demanded of you this night. What's going on there? Well, we're trying to, I, I want to use that to to say, look, the kind of like you said before, Willie, it's not the things that uh, go into a person, right? It's not the, the fact that this man had a good harvest was not his problem. The problem was the heart that was fixated only on the material things. And so to be rich in the world, but to not be rich towards God is a great poverty, actually. Right. And it's interesting you're using the harvest observance uh, readings because they are very good. And harvest is, of course, intensely tied to Thanksgiving. Right. And if you live in a heavily, an area heavily populated with farmers, you know, where yeah. most of your land is not heavily populated because everybody's farming, I think that the harvest observance readings become all the more important. Yeah. What's the Mattoon Festival? Mattoon, uh, we are using the Thanksgiving reading, so we'll be we'll be using Luke and the and the ten lepers. Gotcha. But I'll be preaching most likely upon a psalm and the principle of Thanksgiving. 
Sure. But I'm not going to say which psalm in case I get accused of free texting or something or some yeah. other or some other unforgivable sin, right? Gotcha. So, gotcha. <laughs> but yeah, we will be using the propers for Thanksgiving. Order of service will be out of TLH, which is what we use for all of our orders of service for the most part. And it'll be it'll be a good time here in Mattoon giving thanks to the Lord for all of his benefits to us. Well, we're coming up on the first break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly Spoken. The word of the Lord says, Get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth. You can check out all of the Word Fitly Spoken podcasts on Podbean, iTunes, or your favorite podcast app. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. You are listening to A Word Fitly Spoken. Willie Grills and David Appled here to talk about Christian Thanksgiving, the biblical principle of Thanksgiving, and why it's okay to celebrate that. So we talked a little bit about the national holiday, a little bit of pushback it gets from some people, the sad fact that, yes, in many cases it's been completely secularized. But now let's shift away then and talk about the Christian and gratefulness. Christians are first and foremost a thankful people and a grateful people. Why, David? Something, something about by grace you have been saved through faith. This not a, like that might be a kind of a crucial principle for us. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> Everything we have is a gift from God. Everything that God gives us is part of His grace. Yes, a part of His mercy. Uh, we are all beggars as a former monk used to say. And so everything that we receive, we must approach with an attitude of thankfulness. I almost said an attitude of gratitude and it would rhyme and I would yeah. have to just end the podcast early because right, I, right. I couldn't do it. Yeah, I would have hung up. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, with an attitude of thankfulness. And let's look at one biblical example of what to do. And that's Luke 17, beginning with verse 11. David, would you like to read that, or would you like me to read that? Uh, go ahead. I don't have it open All right, here. I got it queued up here. So, And it came to pass, and he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God, and fell down on his face and at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, 
Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto them, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. Well, a very interesting bit of scripture we have here. Uh, Only one of the lepers who is cleansed turns around to praise God and to give thanks. And what's unique about that one leper, by the way? Uh, He's a foreigner. Yeah. So, so the ones, the one who who shouldn't know as well, (laughs) apparently, uh, is the one who who actually knows better. And that there's probably a a sobering lesson for us there too, wherein our church seeks to teach the gospel in its purity and the idea that everything that we have is of grace, that salvation is not our work, that it is the work of God within us, ultimately. And so we ought to know better, but sometimes we too forget that we don't deserve anything that we receive, that in us is no good thing, but that God in his love and mercy still comes and gives us good things. Yeah, I think when you're when you're talking about Thanksgiving and why it it's just kind of a a simple fact of being a Christian it's very very much related to kind of the the bedrocks of like justification by faith right the, if you don't right. have that the initial kind of presupposition which is that we are sinful and unclean then you know justifying yourself by your own works may seem like a possibility right right but but when you start with the the fact of utter dependence on God simply by virtue of creation, right? That we are creatures. And then secondly, we are fallen creatures. Then you realize everything that you have, uh, including salvation, but also uh, in the in the realm of creation, everything is is something that is undeserved and that ought to be given thanks for. Right. Now here, these men are cleansed of leprosy. So there is a lot of Levitical law and other things to go into regarding that and showing themselves to the priests. But the general principle is to remember to give glory to God and to thank him. And really, thankfulness is part and parcel of all glory, lot, and honor. So any other things about Luke 17 there? Well, I think the it's it's great that this is what you read on Thanksgiving, right? Now, I'm not doing it, I say that, not doing it this year in Paducah, but you do get the nine who don't come back. And so while the majority, everyone's cleansed, everyone's healed here, but nine go their own way. Who knows what they're thinking about, but they're not thinking about the fact that, you know, where did this gift come from? Uh, But the one who goes back is not only cleansed, but he gets that. I always like to make the point that he, he receives the second sentence, which is, maybe even the the greater thing, your faith has saved you or made you whole, right? Right, right. So returning to Jesus, he receives kind of a, a greater a greater pardon. Well now you know that's another verse that makes some Lutherans a little bit nervous. That that last verse in the pericope, verse nineteen, your faith has made you well, or the variant reading, your faith has saved you. Not the variant reading, but alternate inter- uh, translation. Mm-hmm. Your faith has saved you. Why might that make people a little uncomfortable? The objection there would be that is faith a work that this guy has drummed up and has <laughs> right. therefore right has therefore saved is is are we turning faith into a work? Right. Yeah. Is are we you know would you tell someone that that their faith saved them and it's like well I mean Jesus did. <laughs> <laughs> 
it's it's one of the cases where it's we overthink the proclamation a little bit. I think so. Yeah, we, we overthink what's going on, and and it's a good thing for for us to think theologically and to try to chew th- through things. But we want to chew through them so much that we almost end up throwing verse nineteen out because it's it's uncomfortable. Faith, his faith saved him. His faith made him whole. Uh, that's that's what happened. It happens multiple times throughout the scripture because of someone's faith, they are said to receive this healing, right? Or this salvation. Well, what do you make of that? Well, it's simple. I mean, it's easily reconciled in this way. Faith comes from who? From Christ, from the yeah. Spirit. Yeah. Yeah. So, so God gives faith as a gift, but the faith he gives you is yours. You do possess it, right? Am I off the rails here? I know, I know we're not supposed to have any kind of uh, verbs anymore, but, or, or anything possessive either. So, yeah, it is the faith of Christ, but it's the faith given to you by him. It is yours. Right. I mean, the, the man does come back. He does, he does a lot of things here, right? He falls on his face at Jesus's feet. He's actually saying words out loud. He's expressing his thanksgiving in a very physical, very clear way. And that is an expression that, that has to be an expression of his faith, which is why Jesus then says, yeah, this faith has has made you well, has saved you. Now, to be clear, it does seem that in Scripture there are people who are healed apart from faith, particularly the sign gifts. It happens, you know, a shadow here, there, you know, something something happens, someone is saved. And what we want to avoid is the notion that the reason why someone doesn't receive healing is because their faith is deficient. I think that's a legitimate concern since Pentecostalism and certain groups who believe this are so prevalent today. So that you can have a miracle happen apart from someone believing or even asking for it is really what I'm driving at here. Nevertheless, that that doesn't mean that this person's faith, especially in this text, is not important. The faith that he has was able to lay hold of what Christ was giving, would give. And only the one of faith was able to turn and glorify God in thanksgiving because of what he had received. Again, I said in the first segment there, it's it's like a softball. Thanksgiving Day is a softball that's tossed to us. And uh, to not swing is to miss this opportunity to say, look, this one guy turns back and actually you know, addresses his thanks to the true God incarnate. And mm-hmm. if we don't do that on Thanksgiving, then then it does just devolve into Turkey Day or, you know, sure. just a general sentiment. I'm today I'm thankful for, well, who are you thankful to? And and those kind of questions are important for us to kind to make sure that our Thanksgiving is in fact biblical Thanksgiving and not kind of a shallow version right. of it. And and I do think that true thankfulness implies faith. You have to have faith for true thankfulness. Um, even even in a in a civil way, have you ever been given something or received a kindness, but you didn't know who to thank because you didn't know where it was from? Sure. An anonymous, yeah, I've gotten gifts from people and, you know, it, yeah. it's nice to get those gifts. <laughs> right. But you can't really say thank you. You can be thankful in that attitude, like, I'm thankful that this came to me, but it's kind of awkward when you don't know who to who to be thankful to. But with everything, ultimately, we know that it comes from God. And so the man of faith is able to say, no matter what good thing I receive, I can give thanks to God for it, ultimately, because it's from his providential hand. Almost said his invisible hand. And then we get the, 
you know, the libertarians coming coming for us. <laughs> yeah, but that's that's what it is. You need faith to be thankful because faith knows who to thank, and it's always God at the end of the day. Now, to be fair, you're going to be mannerly, and and you are right to thank a person who does you a kindness as well. We're not saying that. I mean, who in their right mind, I mean, who wears a fedora big enough that they would say, well, I've received this gift from this person, but I'm going to look at the eye and say, I'm not thanking you for this. I'm thanking God for this. You know, that that would be silly. So we're thankful to, obviously, the people who would show us kindness, but ultimately these things are from God. Yeah, and that's, that's a good point to make because the it's it's so easy like we do this with our kids right at where christmas is coming we i just had a couple of birthdays my my two kids share the same birth two of my kids share the same date for the birthday and so you know kids are tearing into the paper they're so excited about the thing that they're getting that parents almost always have to say make sure you say thank you right and the, the right. point of doing that is one you want your kids to have good manners i don't want my children to be slobs or, or ungrateful people. But the the kind of bigger point is, it's really good to get stuff, but it's even better that you have a grandma who came to visit you and gave you that thing, right? And whether she keeps giving you gifts or not, the, the better thing is that you have a grandma who loves you. And it's a, there's a similar analogy here with, with God and the, the gifts that he gives us, whether it's healings or a good harvest, you know whether or not those things come to us to have to faith lays hold of God himself regardless of whether he's giving you lots of blessings or withholding them yeah. to have to lay hold of God is the the greater thing well that's very good and that transition transitions us into our next item and that is what are we thankful for and so for good or ill primarily we associate thanksgiving with thankfulness for material things We'll, we'll, we'll call it temporal things. Sure. And so let's head over to Psalm 145, beginning at verse 15. And here's a verse that's familiar to many of our listeners. The eyes of all wait upon thee, and thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. That God is giving to us from his mighty hand the things we need to live, including the basic necessities like food. Now, why is that psalm so familiar to a Lutheran audience, David? Yeah, actually, when I, growing up, I, this was not familiar to me. My family always said simply, come Lord Jesus, be our guest. And why should this be? I should have said that, why should this be? We should do a whole episode on how the come Lord Jesus prayer became yeah. the default prayer. I well, would like the, to know that. Right. It, it wasn't until I met my wife and I was eating with her family and they're saying this this prayer and they said what aren't you a lutheran you don't know this prayer this is the catechism prayer for before a meal and uh, it's actually i you know it can be abused like anything can where you just speed through the words but there's been many times where since i didn't grow up with it i'm saying these words and it it uh, if you pause and actually reflect on this it is an amazing picture that's given to you there that god supplies every living creature with its needs. Right. I have I have a hard enough time feeding my four kids <laughs> and, and doing <laughs> right. it well, uh, but he, he feeds everyone. It's amazing. Right. And that's 
why it's the preface to the to the table prayer that's found in the catechism and and it's good i I do think it's a salutary practice for lutherans to crack open the catechism and maybe use that prayer some more nothing wrong with come lord jesus but there's a richness to praying the scripture (laughs) and then using that historic prayer too um that's good and it's funny you mentioned that i remember when i first got here to saint paul's and that's the the catechism prayer is the one i've always used, you know, as long as I've been part of this church body. And I say the prayer, it say before a church meal, and one of my octogenarian members says, I haven't heard that prayer since my father used to pray it around the table when we were kids. That's what my yeah. father always prayed. Uh-huh. And I, and I was, it was a bit of a humbling experience, you know, but, but that, that she remembered it. But then you think of the faith of those hard scrapple immigrant Lutherans who came over and and built up this church and maybe I'm just getting wistful in my old age, David. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, I, I think about this because because of our the nature of of being a pastor now, Willie. I mean, we do not. I know you and Zelwyn have plans to do all kinds of episodes on gardening and you know on <laughs> being right. connected to the soil. But that's a, that's a. I think it's a good point to bring out. Like the further you are removed from actually harvesting food for yourselves the easier the, the easier it is to neglect just how much how much you actually depend on god's providence for these things right well there'll just always be food there right yeah you just assume that you're going to be able to go into a supermarket right. and and the shelves will not be bare and there's also a lesson about prepping in there somewhere too probably yeah. but well i think <laughs> if, if our listeners are wondering i'm pretty sure that zelwin is right now bringing in the harvest he only had a couple days here that's why he's not on the on the show today. <laughs> that's right he is he's busy putting grain into his silos yep. and putting mres into his bunker right now <laughs> as we speak but but not in the way that's condemned by the parable of course oh uh, absolutely never not zelwin no zelwin actual living saint probably but don't tell him we said that he good boy. That's what we're getting. Yeah, right. But yeah, that's that's absolutely right. As stuff becomes easier, it becomes expected, and so we forget to be thankful. It's a bit like the Hebrews wandering in the wilderness during the Exodus, right? In what way? Well, they receive the manna free out of the sky, and it doesn't take long to like, yeah, I don't want it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, can you can you give us something else, please? This is just not going to work. Right, right, right. Yeah, they, a little variety. <laughs> give me a variety here. Come on, and so, and so here it is. God miraculously providing it, and and they're still grumbling. So how much more might we grumble when things are? I won't say provided miraculously, but through ordinary means, right? So how do we receive crops? Well, the seed is planted. Rain falls, sun shines, photosynthesis, everything else, the germination that causes all this to happen in a cycle. That's the way God has so ordained it. And our country is immensely blessed by God to the point that we don't have large-scale food shortages in most regions. Now, we're not so naive to think that people aren't hungry and that, people, that there isn't poverty here, but the access to food is more or less greater than nearly any other country in the world for now. And so we become used to this, and we forget that it's not always been that way. And and now it's not so even an abundance of the of the food you get, but it's also a variety. So we have nearly yeah, everything sure. in our fingertips now sure. that we could possibly want. And yeah, you're. It's a very good point that they 
or that we can often forget that it's not always going to be this way and it doesn't have to be this way. That we need to be reminded that it's from the hand of the Lord. So any other final words on Thanksgiving before we go to the next break? Well, I think I it's I think again to to kind of bring the catechism into it is is maybe a good thing here too. You get the same a similar thing happens when you read the the meaning of the first article and you're Absolutely. listing off yeah. you're listing off all these things, you know, my eyes, ears, my reason, all my senses, that all of that stuff, just your body and your your what would you say, your abilities or your powers, your uh, those, faculties? Yeah, your faculties. Those are given to you by God. The thing Right. The, the sheer fact of your ability to think about something is provided by God and ought to be thankful for. Right. And that's how the first article, the meaning right. ends for all this. It is my duty to thank and praise, serve and obey. Absolutely. You know that it teaching your kids these things is really it, it forces you to remember. Yeah, actually, that is the way that it is. And I didn't you know, I didn't give myself anything, let alone, I might have, you know, I might have worked, I might have gone to school, I might have, you know, studied hard, but my reason is not, even my reason is not something I drum up myself. Very good. With that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more Word Fitly. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. The Word, front and center, in doctrine, in history, in life. That's the mission of A Word Fitly Spoken. We've got more on the way. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Welcome back, everyone. This is A Word Fitly Spoken. I'm Willie Grills here with David Apple to talk about Thanksgiving. So we talked about being thankful for the temporal things of the that we receive in the world. Now we're going to talk about being thankful for spiritual things. Is it right to be thankful for them in the same way that we're thankful for patent leather shoes, vulcanized rubber, and air conditioning? <laughs> Well, here's, I'll, I'll read a Psalm. Okay. Uh, this is Psalm 106 and uh, just the first two verses. It says, praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord for he is good for his steadfast love endures forever. We're familiar with this, that verse. Then verse two goes on, who can utter the mighty deeds of the Lord or declare all his praise. So the mighty deeds here certainly includes vulcanized rubber, but of course <laughs> is, is, I don't. I don't know how you want to relate. You know the the temporal gifts with the spiritual. They're not total contrast. But um, if we had to choose one or the other as the more mighty of the deeds, certainly the resurrection. You know the the atonement, the resurrection. I suppose you'd want to include incarnation prior to that. Those spiritual gifts are on a higher plane. Absolutely. 
And obviously we should give thanks to the Lord for that. This is brought out a little bit more in the Catechism in the second and third article, articles of the Creed, whereby we learn of the redemption of Christ, what he has done for us in his incarnation, in his life, death, and resurrection, with his active and passive obedience. And then we learn how those benefits of Christ are administered to his church through his means in the third article of the Creed. And so, now we have a lot going on here. God not only cares for us temporally, but he also cares for us spiritually and eternally insofar as our salvation is concerned. He is giving us not only the things we need to live in this body, food and clothing, shelter and all this, but he's also giving us what we need to live for eternity, the medicine of of life everlasting. So yeah, we better be thanking God for that too. And thankfully, yeah. our our liturgy is written in such a way that it is. Now, I think the ESV translates the verse or the text as steadfast love, right? And yes. historically, it's been translated as mercy. Yeah, and so we're coming back to the to this idea of mercy that God that God has upon us. Well, let's just talk then a little bit about the spiritual things we receive, because it's always good to do that. What does God give us that enlivens us spiritually? What are some of those things? The primary gift, if you want to narrow it down to one thing, would be the forgiveness of sins. Certainly that's what's in view in the, in the creed as we confess it there. And then connected with the forgiveness of sins is everything that comes with that, right? So how does it go in the catechism where there's forgiveness of sins? There's also life and salvation. So First, the forgiveness of sins, then the renewal of life, and then the the hope of a resurrection and life everlasting. Right. And are the means of acquiring these things then part of God's good gifts? Oh, certainly. Yeah, The and, and this again is where, you know, as as Christians, to have a day of thanksgiving, it's sort of like, it's almost in a, in a way it, it's redundant for us, right? Because it is true that every Sunday Christians give thanks, right? Every day of our lives, Christians give thanks. Right, we know right. we know that we depend on God completely and entirely. So this is not a new concept. This isn't anything when the president proclaims it that Christians should say, oh, I didn't realize I should have been doing that, right? It's, <laughs> it's sort of a, yeah, this is a no-brainer. It's a natural thing that we should want to express our thanks because like the psalm says, who can express all of the, the things that God has done for us? His mighty deeds surpass our ability to even recount them. Right. Well, let's take a look at it then. We have been given the word of our Lord God in the scriptures. What do you think about the scriptures, David? <laughs> I, it's a good book, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Inspired, inerrant scriptures, those those keywords are important and things right. we want to affirm. It is inspired by God. It is without error. And I would also add, in these trying times, the word of the Lord has been preserved for his church by the Lord himself, that we might have the gospel, that we might have his clear teaching and all things sufficient for life and salvation. And that's what you find in the word of God. The Word of God tells us to baptize and to be baptized, 
Baptism is the means by which a dead sinner is risen from the dead. The old Adam is drowned, and the new man in Christ is raised up. That is certainly a miraculous thing that happens that is so ordinary sometimes we can even forget the significance of baptism. God's water and word together doing these mighty things. And I kind of like that that it's that way, that, that the sacraments are very humble things, but also very mighty things. It's almost a picture of our Lord in that way. When he comes in the form of a man, but not being very becoming, and yet he conquers sin, death, and the devil as Jesus Christ, the God-man. And so, too, God continues to work in hidden ways and in humble ways to do marvelous things. And so there's baptism. There is the word of absolution pronounced, whereby sins are loosed. There's also the binding key, but that's not really fitting with our theme of Thanksgiving. And then, of course, there is the Lord's Supper. And the Lord's Supper, we could tie into Thanksgiving easily in a number of ways. What, what, what might be one of those ways, David? You may have a proclivity to call it the Eucharist, which is the Greek word for Thanksgiving. Certainly, that's part of the, the celebration of the sacrament. We can make some distinctions in a little bit here, but going right along with receiving Christ's body and blood is going to be the response of, hey, I'd like to say thank you. Right. And you know, it is it is a form of feasting in its own way. Uh, so there is eating and drinking, and then there is Thanksgiving in response to the eating and the drinking. Uh, I mean, of course, in response to what we receive in that, which is the Lord's body and blood for the remission of sins. It's tremendous what our Lord does for us. And our Lord blesses us so abundantly, even spiritually, that likened to well-stocked grocery stores, we too can become complacent when it comes to the things of God, even the forgiveness of sins that we receive week after week in the divine service. It's very easy for us to forget what exactly is going on and to just fall into that rut of just going through the motions. Yeah. And and I think thankfulness and gratitude and awareness are things that have to be cultivated. They're spiritual disciplines. I don't say this to to damage the bruised reed or to dampen the smoldering wick or anything like that. I'm not saying you need to to be better at being thankful. I'm saying that this is what it means to live as a sinner in this world, but one who has been enlightened by the Holy Spirit. We have to fight and we have to discipline ourselves. And it's a struggle sometimes merely to focus upon, say, the readings or to focus upon the words of absolution or or to even think about what is happening as we are receiving the Lord's body and blood. Yeah, yeah. I think it was, well, you connected this earlier in the episode. I don't know if it was the first or the second segment that we did, but one of the nice things about Thanksgiving Day is that most people get it off from work, right? And so while it's true that every day of our lives is a day to give thanks to God, it's really nice when you can you can have a day where you can just focus on that, you know, where where you can actually not that that's the only thing you do all day long, all right? Everybody should throw the football Thanksgiving Day if they have kids. Everyone should cut the turkey, or at least the the men of the house should. But to have time set aside, this is part of the value of the Sabbath day being observed in connection with the Lord's Day is that you actually rest from your work so that you can focus on 
on God's work, what he's provided. And one of the things that, that happens if you're, especially I have, I have some members who have to work on Sundays. When you're, when you leave straight from church, you get in your car, you go to your job, you don't have time to actually reflect on what's happened. And, and so you lose out on that opportunity, like you're saying, Willie, to kind of develop or to discipline yourself to be thankful for everything that's happened on a Sunday morning. Right. And I think this ties then into another spiritual blessing that we're given, and that is prayer. That Jesus Christ is our advocate, and he can bring our petitions to the Father. So we pray to God. And so when we find ourselves losing focus, when we find ourselves lacking thankfulness or humility or anything else, that the Lord hears our prayers when we ask him to fulfill our deficiencies, right? So that, Lord, I can't focus. Please help me to be more diligent in the things of the Lord. Please help me to pray more. Help me to desire to receive the sacrament, right? Help me to desire to hear your word. I think those are all good things that the, that the, excuse me, that the Christian might pray for. And that's where the rub comes in, is that we don't receive because we don't ask, right? Yeah, it says and, that somewhere, right? Right. <laughs> and so there we go. So with that in mind, then, how does a Christian then demonstrate his thankfulness? We know what we need to be thankful for. We know we ought to be thankful. So how do we show that we're thankful? Yeah, the the actual—go back to the, the leper, right? who's cleansed as he's his way, it's very possible that he may have, that all of them may have felt some twinge of thankfulness, right? Some sort of, wow, this is great. I'm, I'm very thankful for this. But only the one actually goes back and says it out loud. And I think that that's a crucial distinction to make between, you know, what you called earlier, the attitude of gratitude. If the attitude is never expressed, you know, it's going to quickly wither. Right? I'm not saying that, it, right. that there was no thanksgiving, but if it, if it is not expressed out loud, it usually dies a quick death, right? And so to actually pray, take for instance the Lord's Prayer, to actually be saying these words, you know, if, if you're praying in silence or out loud, that's not really the point here, but to actually take time to, to pray is an expression of thanksgiving, right? Absolutely. And you know, it's it's an interesting thing that we have. We've talked a, a bit about personal discipline now, but we forget that God has placed us into a community. God has placed us into a body of believers called the church, whereby we might strengthen one another. And it often doesn't feel this way for some of us, but that we have been placed in the community of faith is something to be thankful for. As we read in Ephesians 1, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Now, of course, Paul here is talking about uh, specific believers. (laughs) There's a specific audience here. Sure. But you have this all over, being thankful for the people that God has brought to faith. And we ought to be thankful for them. Luther puts thankfulness for those around you in the first article. You know, so he mentions wife and children and house yeah, and home right, and things like right. that. But I think here 
it's a mix of the two of the of the first, second, and third articles. Because what you have in the Christian family are people, you know, who are actual human beings who have a shelf life, and yet you also have them being made into those who will live forever in heaven with you. So you actually have the mix going. Yeah, we are all adopted sons of Christ, and so they're all our adopted brothers and sisters as well. No, that's a great point. Yeah, no, that I, I hadn't thought of it that way before. I know I've said I've certainly prayed, you know, in thanks for the church, but to thank God for those as you sit on, on in church, whether it's Wednesday night or Thursday morning or even Sunday morning, whatever, to look around and and actually see, look at all these faces who God has surrounded me with, all these people who He has redeemed and now is sanctifying together with me. You know that that. Again, it's one of these things that's so ordinary. Yeah, the church exists, and I'm part of a congregation. It can be easily taken for granted, but you you do experience the the value and the benefit of that edification. Well, I don't know if that's the right word for it, Willie, or if you have a better one, but we do need each other in the church, not just physically, like I need I need my parents when I'm a child or something, but you need fellow believers for the journey. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. So now we're coming up on our last few minutes in this episode, and I want to talk about something from the Bible that we actually mention a lot in our services or in some of our services, and that is the sacrifice of thanksgiving. And we find it originally in Psalm 116. I will offer to thee the sacrifice of thanksgiving and will call upon the name of the Lord. So what does that mean, sacrifice of thanksgiving, Zell, when it even shows up in our confessions? Yeah, the, or, or David, sorry. Yeah, that's all right. I, I took it as an upgrade. The, <laughs> the distinction between a propitiatory sacrifice, that is one that merits favor before God or earns forgiveness or reconciles us to God, is a different thing than, or is a, is a distinction between that and a, a sacrifice of thanksgiving or a Eucharistic sacrifice. And so on the one hand, the propitiatory sacrifice is complete, right? This is uh, in the language of Hebrews, Jesus has offered that sacrifice once and for all. But what remains for us is to receive that sacrifice or the to receive the benefits of that sacrifice. And then uh, that calls forth our own sacrifices of thanksgiving. I always liked in uh, Psalm 51, you get this in Old Testament, very Old Testament terms. David is praying about, you know, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. And then by the end of the psalm, he's back to saying, then bulls will be offered on your altar. Yeah. Well, well, what sacrifices is he talking about there? I think he's talking of this, that there will be the sacrifices of thanksgiving that come from the grateful heart that's been renewed by God. Absolutely. And so week after week, uh, as we receive the gifts of God, we offer up a sacrifice of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of gratitude. As the confession, as the Apology of the Augsburg Confession makes the, distinguish, the distinguishing definition between a propitiatory sacrifice and the sacrifice of thanksgiving. The propitiation is complete, and the sacrifice of thanksgiving continues, well, forever. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. Thanksgiving is going to go on and on into eternity. And so we'd better get used to that attitude of gratitude, right, David? 
Yeah, that's right. And the expression <laughs> of it. Yeah. The, you know, the prayer of the church that we pray, you know, even our offerings are, are part of this sacrifice of thanksgiving. We, we offer not just the words of our mouths, but we offer the fruit of our hands, the fruit of our work, um, whether that's, you know, for us, it's money. Historically, maybe it took different forms that were offered in sacrifice, but then also the, the life that's lived in obedience, the life that's lived in love for the neighbor, that's, that too, I think, is part of the sacrifice of thanksgiving that the Christian offers to God. Amen. Well, any last words on Thanksgiving before we wrap up this episode? I think uh, if, if as you're looking back on all the things that we've discussed, we've come a long way from our opening statements about, uh, you know, why would, why would a person not want to celebrate the day of Thanksgiving? Hopefully that does not really take hold in our listeners. I Probably there's some who might say, you know what, I, you just haven't convinced me. Thanksgiving Day is still an intrusion or, or it's not an organic development from, you know, this biblical concept of Thanksgiving. Well, I, I don't have anything else that, I, that can convince that person, <laughs> right? right? But I think, I think what you see in, in what we're talking about here is the significance of Thanksgiving kind of crown, it's the crowning thing that comes when you receive the gifts of God and you're conscious of it, when you know everything that he's given to you in creation and in the church. What else is there to do but to give thanks, right? That's the way that that psalm says it. What shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits to me? I'll offer the sacrifice of thanksgiving. Very good. And so a happy Thanksgiving from a word fitly spoken to all of our listeners. If you don't enjoy the holiday, at least enjoy the food, enjoy the family, and the good things that God has given you. And we know you will. If you like what you heard and want to know more, check us out, wordfitlyspoken.org, facebook.com slash wordfitly, or Twitter at wordfitly. I'm Willie Grills, here with David Apple. God love you, and God bless. Whereas it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God, to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore for His protection and favor, and whereas both houses of Congress have by their joint committee requested me to recommend to the people of the United States a day of public thanksgiving and prayer to be observed by acknowledging with grateful hearts the many signal favors of Almighty God, especially by affording them an opportunity peaceably to establish a form of government for their safety and happiness.